And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm here with my good friend Ethan. Now, Ethan, I want to ask you, who did it better? Ben Simmons' gesture to Kyle Lowry or Trevor Ariza's excursion to fight Austin Rivers? Ooh, ah, man, I'm... I think you got to go with Trevor Ariza for the simple fact that, like, he, you know, got him and Chris Paul, like, grouped up and got a gang mentality and went after him. But, like, I don't know. I kind of I do appreciate the simplicity of Ben Simmons. Just like, hey, catch me outside. How about that? Yeah, I, you feel like just because the, the, I mean, you know, late last night, you know, Woj is going off about, uh, you know, maybe this happened, maybe this happened. Now he's, like, corrected and say, well, maybe Chris Paul and, you know, James Harden, maybe they were just trying to, you know, hold Ariza back. But, you know, I, I like the first version better. It makes it more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the whole, you know, Sin Capello as the Trojan horse at the front door while you sneak in around the back. I, I like the whole concept. I, it, it's it's fun. I'm, I'm so happy. Like, I'm glad no one's, like, actually seriously getting hurt or, like, you know, not having a mouse in the pal situation. Oh no! Yeah, but that was bad. We, we don't want things like that that are actually t- terribly violent. But I like I like the drama of the NBA season. It's it's the best reality television show. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the next game where these two teams face, it's gonna be you know everyone's gonna be watching out for that for that game for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, so, so Ethan, this is not gonna be our focus. We're not gonna talk about the fight or almost fight that happened all pod. We're we're actually gonna be going to something a little bit different. Uh, can you tell us what we're gonna be doing today? Right. We are kicking off the start of the State of the Franchise series that we are going to be doing on the Hero Ball podcast. We are going to go through every single team. We're going to start at the bottom of the standings because those teams will be becoming less and less relevant as the season goes along. And we're going to take a look at what this team's doing this season and what their future looks like based on like core players, contracts they hate, contracts that are looking good perhaps, draft picks that you own, all those kinds of things, and what we think the plans are of the organization – but what we would do differently if we were in that organization's shoes. So what team are we starting out with today, Ethan? Well, the team I think that has announced the tank the earliest, the Sacramento Kings is going to be the first of our two teams today. Yeah, yeah. Like they, There's an article that came out just a couple of days ago which said the, that the Kings are going to sit at least two veterans each and every day. So they're going to be sitting two of George Hill – uh, you know, Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, Garrett Temple, or Costa Kufos. They're saying two of those guys each and every day to get the young players more time to play, which is just key. You know, that's just, you know, coach speak for we're, we're trying to tank here. We want to get, we want to get the next uh, big guy in the draft. You, you know, I think they just want uh, Harry Giles to get some minutes. He hasn't played since his five games at Duke. That guy needs to get out and play some minutes. I, I think this is just a good way of minutes control, Richard. Don't you? I mean, when okay. you're paying George Hill twenty million, <laughs> right? Oh man, no. Obviously, they're taking it's 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 now very clear, right? So if you don't, if you're paying George Hill twenty million, you'd, I'd actually want him to play all eighty two games, so you're getting the best ratio of dollars per game. But you know, well, you know, it's it's up to them to choose how they look at this team, and I think you know what they are making the right decision to tank it up. Um, give these young guys a chance to to flourish, you know, get their minutes up, but probably lose most of their games, even if they manage to keep them close. Oh, obviously. I mean, at the beginning, like you know, back when we first started our podcast, right around free agency, when they made those moves for, uh, you know, for Hill and for Zach Randolph, it was like, what are these guys? What are they doing? You know, they they just brought in a bunch of young guys. They have their draft pick for this year 
only. We'll, we'll talk about the draft sit, pick situation a little bit later, but this is the year they should be taking. They shouldn't be going out for these, you know, veterans. I know they want to have some veteran experience, but even then, I was like, this doesn't. This is just a weird team. It does. I don't see the mesh there, and I guess now they're deciding. Tank it. Right. I originally thought George Hill was actually like not a terrible contract for the simple fact that I thought he was going to have a good year. I really did. I thought, you know, I thought he was going to play well for this team and they were going to be able to flip him for, you know, someone of similar salary closer to expiration and a draft pick. So I thought that was originally not a terrible signing, still too much money, but I was like, okay, you know, you know, 16 million, 20 million, what's the difference for an NBA team? You know what I'm saying? The Zebo contract, I was also able to justify. I'm like, you know what? Two years for a guy who's been in the league a long time, found his niche later in his career. Maybe, maybe he can be a guy who can really help a guy like Scal find his footing in the NBA low post. Um, so I found a way to justify him, but this team is not good, and I, I think it's a, it is a good time to start the tank. But aside from that, let's look, let's think about the players that they need to develop. Right? They have De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heal, Justin Jackson, Scalabissier. Willie Cauley-Stein, he's getting closer to that not-so-young age. Bogdan um, Bogdanovich. Um, Richard, what are your thoughts on some of these young guys? Like, Who are they going to key on to keep and, and develop? Well, obviously, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald, you've got to imagine those guys are at the you know, focus. You know, that, that's, that's who they hope will become their backcourt. Um, and you know, Buddy Heald, obviously, because he was their, the main thing that they got from from that uh, Boogie Cousins trade and, you know, De'Aaron Fox, their high pick this year, Justin Jackson, you know, middle of the round pick uh, this year. And it's like, well, is he going to develop into something? Obviously he's on a good contract because it's rookie scale. Uh, but I don't think he's the answer long-term for them there. And they don't have much depth um, behind him at the small forward position. So you got to imagine that they're going to be going somewhere in that direction. This office, hopefully trying to find a young guy, fit that they do got some big men though and that's you know that's exciting uh i guess and so they have a bunch of these pieces but it's like how many of them are really going to be the answer long term i mean when you start thinking about harry giles is he going to be able to even play really i don't know yeah i don't want to cast judgments on uh harry giles at all yet because you know he went from being like a number one recruit as a high school player to having a very injury plagued high school career, let alone his, his time at Duke yeah. didn't really play at all. Um, so I don't really want to like even consider him yet. I, you know, I'm hoping things work out for him as I do with almost literally every player that I come across. But what, what I want to focus on is the, uh, the three, the three players I think are the key to the six Sacramento turned around. And that is De'Aaron Fox, Scalabissier, and then Buddy Heald, third, most importantly. I know you love Scal. Oh, <laughs> do, do I love Scal? Let me tell you. Listeners, let me just tell you, I've gotten so many texts and phone calls from Ethan talking about Scal that it's, you know, from, from a person who doesn't like actually play on Ethan's team, it's, it's really ridiculous how much I hear Ethan talk about Scal. Yeah, no, Scal has... It, the only thing he isn't is thick. He's just a skinny little kid out there, and that's the only thing he needs is some thickness. So maybe if Zach Randolph can cut off a slice of him, we'll have ourselves a real <laughs> NBA center on our hands. Yeah. But Scal, he has a nice jump shot. He, he he shows like good rebounding tendencies, but I think he, because of his lack of size in terms of girth, he doesn't hold his position well. But no, I think I think he's the second most important player for this Kings team of, of the players they currently have on their roster. I think De'Aaron Fox is the most important because he's the guy who's going to help set up 
Scal and make Scal the best player he can be. Um, Darren Fox, much like a John Wall, very athletic, not much of a jump shot right now. Oh, but man, he looks like he has those intangibles in terms of his fight. And like you should kind of saw the way he went after Lonzo Ball in the tournament last year. These are the kind of things you love. There's not really any statistical analysis to back up why I love him so much, let alone Scal. But oh, man, I, for, for as much as I don't like the University of Kentucky and the player and uh, the coach that they have there, man, do I love their products. Yeah, I, I remember when De'Aaron Fox came out, I, I really loved him. Um and, you know, obviously he's not having a phenomenal rookie season. You know, most and most rookies don't. Most rookies are on, honestly hurt their team. And so it's surprising to see some of the rookies this year actually being helpful for, for their respective teams. But, yeah, I think you nailed it. Those three guys are the main guys. And if you get anything else from, you know, Justin Jackson or, or Willie Colley-Stein in the future, great. But um, I think it really needs to come through those three. Right, and I, I think those three are the key. I think Willie Carr Stein's a guy you don't want to get rid of. He he seems to be have such a like high ceiling as a versatile defender. Um, we haven't we haven't seen him like t- tie it down yet and get perfect at it. But it, his ceiling as a, on the defensive end is so high, you, you definitely can't be giving up on him. But Richard, you, you, just because, I, I, we're going to get off sidetracked for just a hot second. You mentioned how well the rookies are playing, and I'm thinking about Donovan Mitchell and uh, Jason Tatum specifically. Is it? Do you think it's weird that those two te- players happen to be coached by really good coaches? and, like, have played for really, like, what you say is good organizations, or is that just a random occurrence? Well, I think that, you know, Jason Tatum being on the team that he's in, you know, having his role with Brad Stevens, obviously I think Brad Stevens plays a huge part in it, but also just the rest of the team and where they were at. I think that for them, he was set up perfectly there. Donovan Mitchell is a little bit different. I mean, that that team was good also. Um, Obviously they lost Gordon Hayward to Boston, but they have some good pieces there. And while they are asked to, to have a role, they're not asked necessarily to do as much as, say, Lonzo or De'Aaron Fox in, in like the way of, hey, we want you to run this team with a bunch of bad players. They're actually surrounded by good people. Um, and that's a byproduct of, you know, Don Mitchell being drafted to Utah later on. It, to a, to a good team that has people in place already. Boston, obviously, we know their situation. And so I think part of it is, you know, obviously those are they're great players, but they were drafted into the right situations. And once we see the Kings develop more, I think that you'll see De'Aaron Fox and some of these other players come along uh, a bit better. Hopefully they develop. Right. And I, I don't want to disparage Dave Yeager too much because like, I did think he did a well, good job in Memphis. But I just yeah. like, like the thing I wanted to point out is, hey, look, you got a coach like Quinn Snyder, who I think is fantastic. You got a coach like Brad Stevens, who's, I would say, top five in the league, almost undisputed. And look what's happening with their rookies. Their rookies seem to be flourishing. And um, obviously, there's like that's upper echelon talent that you're dealing with. But I wanted to make that point. Yeah. And I think, you know, man, Dave Yeager, you know, being a coach and then having to now say, well, we're only going to play, we're going to play without two veterans today. Uh, you know, going with the young bucks, that's got to be hard. And I can't, he's not the guy who's, who's deciding that it's obviously coming from the front office and you know, the front office has made some questionable moves over the, you know, just this summer, in my opinion, like you, you're paying George Hill uh, after this year, another two years, $37 million. Right. And you're, you're paying um, Zach ran off another year, 11, 11 and a half million dollars. If, if it were me, I, I don't mind bringing those guys in, but one year deals, please like pull, do what they, they brought in Vince Carter for one year deal. I'm fine with that because, you know, he's, he's a veteran presence, but 
you don't have to worry about his contract anymore, man. And then also given Costa Kufos, an 8.7 million player option, which he's totally is going to pick up because why he's isn't terrible. he? I mean, he's terrible and you're giving him, you know, eight and a half mil. So man. And if we look at the cap space that they have over the next you know few years, it's pretty bad. I mean, they have, you know, 95 million this year and then, they get 85, they have 85 million tied up next year. And so a lot of that is, you know, George Hill money, Zach Randolph money. Then, then, you know, Zach Randolph comes off the books, a few others do, and it's 55 after that. But over the next couple of years, they don't have a whole lot of ways to get better through free agency. And I guess maybe they don't want to, but next year they don't have their pick. They don't have their draft pick. And so they have no incentive to be bad after this year. So after they get whoever they get in the lottery this year, they're going to have to try to turn it on and they won't be able to attract any free agents. Right. It, it, it is a show to show like it, it, so much of being a general manager in the, in the NBA is not about always looking at the, the current picture and like, how can we surround DeMarcus cousins with talent? It's what, what, what can we do to make sure we have a, a, a stop valve to make sure we don't fall all the way apart. If you know, we have to get rid of a, a top talent like DeMarcus, but or being able to fall completely apart and have your picks available. So like, you know, Sacramento has been like laughing stock of the league for almost 20 years now. Like ever since the, like, I don't know their playoff drive is 15 years or something, but like it's, it's getting up there now. And yeah, it's, it's not looking good for Sacramento. But the thing is they do have the young talent in Fox. Um, and especially for me, Scalabissier, those two guys right there, I think are very solid. A little questionable about Heal because of his athleticism limitations. But I, I'm optimistic that this team has a fun young nucleus. And it'll get even more fun because they do have their first round pick this year. That's right. at least exciting. And and they're they're already down near the very bottom, like of uh, like they're like the top three already as far as best chances to win the lottery. And so now that they've announced tank season, I mean they're not gonna get any worse than that, probably. So right. I think that, you know. Granted, they don't have their pick next year, but they have it this year. And then, you know, after next year's whole first round pick unprotected uh, goes away to either Philly or Boston, um, they'll have their own picks the rest of the way. For, for my sanity, I hope it goes to hope to hope it goes to Philly, just because I'd rather Philly get another young talent than uh, than Boston get another one. They've yeah. How do they do this? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Danny Ainge. Wow. Um, now, what do you think? Like, what do you think is going on in the mind of Lottie Divac? You know, what what, what are their plans in in Sacramento? What do you think? I honestly think what I said that I thought their moves were about is like having the opportunity to flip George Hill if they couldn't compete right away. I think there was something about it like Jaeger's like, hey, I've worked my magic with Zach Randolph before. We can do something here. Give me Collie Stein. Give me this. Like, we're going to be able to work, work something together. And George Hill's the missing piece. And if, if the GM is smart, he was also thinking, okay, yeah, but here's what I can do with George Hill. I can pay him this and I can flip him to maybe a contender because he's good. You know, if he plays mm-hmm. like he did last year in Utah, that's a, a lot of teams will want that. Well, he didn't, and that's how it's not working out. So I have no idea. Like, we have the old uh, – oh, we, no, like, we have no idea what this team was thinking because it's such a hodgepodge of, of picks. Like, instead of taking a higher chance and keeping the 10th pick and drafting a player with allegedly more upside, they flipped it for two picks – Drafted a junior in college, Justin Jackson. I like him. He's you know sick. There's not just only so many athletic six six or six eight guys coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And then they also drafted uh, you know a project in Giles. 
But, you know, you could have took any number of people, including one Donovan Mitchell. Mm. And I, I also thought of Malik Monk just because of the Fox connection. Right. Like you, could, you could have done something with that 10th pick, maybe taking a bigger swing. Maybe it's a miss, but taking a bigger swing at talent. So that's that's where I, we give it the uh, – it's not a visual medium, but the huh face, <laughs> you know, um, because what, what are they doing, Richard? And I don't I, care to know because it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, here's what I would do if I were them. If I were them, try to trade George Hill or Zach Randolph for literally anything. If you're going to just be paying them to sit on the bench every other night because we can't play two of our of our veterans, like their their trade value is also going down through this process. Like you're not going to be able to get something for them as much as you would if they were actually playing and showing that they still had it. And so, if it were, you know, I do think that they should. Go with their young guys the rest of the way. Tank. Do it. Um, if you can find a trade, make it happen. But you've got to get a top three pick this year so that you can you know, get that one last guy before you now don't have anything next year. So that, that's, what I, that's what I think you got to do. I agree with you 100%. But my one question is, what is the – like if we're getting off a Hill contract or trying to get off of Kufis's last year and Randolph's last year – is there any kind of picks that we're willing to give up to sweeten the pot? Because our second-round picks, if we have them, they are reasonably valuable because we are going to be bad. That's true. They they have their own second-round pick this year, and that's going to be a good pick. You don't know how deep the draft is yet. Um, you know, we haven't looked into that quite as as well. I mean, if 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 you have people like that fell into the second round last year, then then maybe maybe that's a really nice pick. I mean, top of the second round, that's what you want. Jordan you Bell know, range, as as it were. Yeah, jo- yeah Jordan Bell range, uh, semi Ojale range. You know those guys. Uh, maybe you can do that. I think maybe Willie Colley Stein. Obviously, that's more contract, but he's also a player that I think would people would say, okay, that's a swap, that's a pot sweetener um, for it. And so I don't know. That's it in my mind. I don't think you can trade next year's second rounder because you don't have next year's first rounder, and so it's. Let me let me ask you if a team asks for. Uh... Frank Mason the third is he someone you throw away because you already have your franchise point guard in in Fox or because I happen to think because Frank Mason happened to be a really solid point guard and he seems to have a like, I don't think his numbers prove out that he's having a great year but it's hard to do with the, with the Kings but I kind of think he's got a nice role for himself and I'll liken him to one Shabazz Napier's thriving this season for Portland who really did not have a good go of it with the Miami Heat and then or with the Orlando Magic but has found himself a nice place now on his third team the Portland Trailblazers. Do you think Frank Mason could have a similar kind of like career trajectory as as uh, Shabazz being a four year senior? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I wouldn't get rid of him if I'm Sacramento, unless you just know he's not great. But if at that point, then no one's really trying to trade for him. I I'd, I'd hold on to him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. There's not a whole lot of things you could you could sweeten up a trade deal with. So. Yeah, because selfishly, I would really like Frank Mason on the Heat because we don't have a backup point guard. We have Derek Walton Jr., who's a point guard in Michigan, but he's he's okay. But like, I haven't seen any flashes from him, not nearly as much as I have seen flashes from Frank Mason. But like, we, the Heat aren't in a place to take any salary. But like, as as a thought exercise, I'm like, okay, well, I would like a potential career backup point guard in Frank Mason. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just more of a thought exercise more than an actual application. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation with the Kings. It's almost like they didn't quite know where they were going this offseason. And so now it's like, well, uh, tank this year, 
get your get your high pick. You're probably not bringing in anyone else over the next couple of years, and if at all possible, trade George Hill and Zach Randolph. Wildest thing is that they didn't learn from 2016. They were one of the few teams that didn't make a mistake that year, and they didn't learn from that mistake by giving George Hill a three-year contract. Oh, you know, the two-year for Zebo, I can get over that because it's yeah, two that's years. fine, that's fine. But it's not it's 12 million. That's fine. But when you combine the two, that's when it's problematic. <sighs> yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the Orlando Magic, an equally fun bad team <laughs> to talk about. Oh, now, man. Richard, I love Aaron Gordon. I love you. You are one and the same. You also play right field for the Yankees. Who knows what's going to happen now that John Carlos Stanton plays for them as well. Yeah. Um, you're the core of this Magic team. No matter what, the Magic have to resign Aaron Gordon. Is there any situation that Aaron Gordon is not on the Magic? Yeah, I think that there is. Um, and not that I think that he's not going to be there, but you know they have new front – they have new um, management, right? They have a new – new GM in place. And what if he's like, you know what? I don't want to just, you know, we can't just go with this team moving forward. We, we can't just say, all right, let's re up this and be terrible the next year. Like they've already been like tanking badly. Like have, they have not been good at tanking, but they've been tanking still like without trying over the past few years. And they may want to go in a, just a totally different direction. Let's move all the pieces that we possibly can. Obviously if they, didn't it i think they would probably try to get something for gordon i know that he's uh in what is it the last the last year of of his deal and so you probably want to sign him and then then flip him if you could and considering that there's not much free agent cap space this summer doing a trade like that would be uh would be something you could do try to find you know a team that has a bunch of expiring contracts the year after Flip him, tank one more year, and then you have cap space again. And so, if hmm. it's if it's me, that 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 might be how I approach it. If I wanted to get rid of Aaron Gordon, although he's taken a jump this year, he's obviously your best player. He's expand expanded to the three point range. And if you know, who doesn't want an athletic four who can shoot threes right now? I mean, isn't that right. what most teams would love to look for? So you're in a, you're in an interesting situation if if you're the management for Orlando because. What direction do you go? I don't know. I'm going to spring a fake trade on the on you at the end of this discussion. But let's continue okay. talking about the Magic core players and you know players that they would probably like to keep. And I want to focus on Jonathan Isaac, a love of mine from this year's draft. I thought he was the uh, the best wing in this draft, but he's. I think nowadays, Richard, I could see Jonathan Isaac being a center of the future. What are your thoughts on Jonathan Isaac? Well, my thoughts on Jonathan Isaac are number one. Um, he needs to get healthy. Uh, right. And, and number two, he needs better teammates who will go to his, go to his functions. He, for those that don't know, he, he tried to get his teammates to come to, uh, to church and they invited him cause he was preaching and none of them oh. came. That was a, that was a sad moment for, for him. Come on yeah. guys. That's a little disheartening. I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. you need to work on where, where you're marketing towards like, you know, marketing efficiencies. <laughs> But um, no. <laughs> on the court, on the court. So uh, Jonathan Isaac's super long, right? He's he's super lengthy. He, you know, you you envision him to be able you know, to kind of fit the mold of like a do it all kind of person. Like the guy, the guy who's running the Magic right now came from Milwaukee, and you know they love length there. You know, Giannis. You think of Giannis; he, he's the perfect prototype for that. And so maybe Jonathan Isaac can be your 
I don't know. I, I got to say poor man's Giannis because he's mm-hmm. nowhere near. Giannis is taking the lead, you know, in MVP discussion. Again, sorry, Giannis, for not including you in our MVP pod earlier in the year. But um, if you if you think about the way that, you know, was it John Hammond? Is that, is that his name? Is that the guy from, is that the guy who's running I it now? I think so, yes. Think so, yeah. what, the way he wanted to run it over there in Milwaukee was get long, get long, lengthy players so that you can, you can have a, you know, a certain type of, length on defense and then hopefully they can shoot uh you can surround them with shooters if you know if you're someone like Giannis who can't shoot but I think that the idea is Jonathan Isaac can kind of fit that mold and you basically just begin to fit in the pieces as as best you can I I just don't know how they do it with their current situation right I think it's one of those you 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 pick his role you choose where he's going to be and then you you let everything else sort in around him but you don't you don't let him not get the minutes where he needs to be getting his minutes. If he needs minutes at the three, you give him minutes at the three like Giannis did when he was a young player. If you think you want you want to move him to like playing a power forward center role like Giannis is now, you get him minutes there. You just have to find out where you want him and you assign his minutes to him. And right now for this season, because you're a bad team, you can do it at the expense of Aaron Gordon a little bit, just a little bit, because Aaron Gordon's already proven himself and he's found his role. Thanks, so God. you need to find out Honestly, if those two can play together, though. If, if it's me, just just throw one of those guys at the five, play the other one at the four, and say, all right, centers, you know, Bismack Biombo and and Nikolai Vucevic, you know, just you guys are just going to take a seat for right now, even though that's an expensive seat that they're taking because. Oh. <sighs> I I totally agree, Richard. I was just saying, like more or less, right now you found Aaron Gordon's found his role. You can still get him his role at 32, 35 minutes a game, but if you have that similar power forward role for a Jonathan Isaac. You make sure he gets all those other minutes up to 48 that Aaron Gordon's not. Now, he's had his health problems. That's something we're going to have to figure out. But that's my thought process with him. With him. Yeah, that, 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 that's totally fair. Um, the other player that we know is involved in the Magic's long-term plans is Jonathan Simmons because they brought him in. Like That's the only guy that the new GM has really brought in other than Jonathan Isaac to the draft. And so we know that he's part of their plans. The only other player that really like we also know is is going to be there is Evan Fournier because he's got uh, after this season another three seasons of seventeen million a year, right. and so r- really th- those those are the four guys that we expect to be part of this team. Obviously, the GM can maybe he can swing Fournier in a trade. Maybe he can maybe he's going to do some, move Aaron Gordon, but these are the guys that really matter. Everyone else, in my eyes, is is expendable. I totally agree. It's just a matter of how easy is it to get off these contracts. You got Bismack for two more years, Vooch for another year, Ross for another year. Uh, it's like a lot of these things just are piling up. You know, you have we on our little temple. Let's pull him behind the curtain. DJ Augustine has a bad contract. The way he's played this year, that contract's not so bad anymore, to be honest. Yeah, I mean. Like do you, for if you're paying DJ Augustine seven million, you know, okay, whatever. But like, he's a he's a backup point guard, right? And so basically, um, you're paying him expensive backup point guard money, and obviously he's gotten money, he's gotten time because of of injury to Alfred Payton, who I don't want any part of on this team in the future. <laughs> but like, you know, you got him, but really, it's like Bismack Biombo for another two years, you know. 17 million a year yeah, for, those, for those two years. And oh man, you know, you've got to look to move off some of these contracts. I don't know how you're going to do it if you're Orlando, 
I mean, you have all of your draft picks that you can uh, you can trade or, or swap or whatever. So, I mean, you do have the ability, but if you're going to be bad, you probably want to hold on to those those uh, draft picks. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're an interesting situation as well without much cap space. They're in a similar cap space situation to the Kings. So, right. and, not great. Yeah, and the thing I think is because you, you have your first-round draft picks, you can you can afford to dangle some of your – like all your seconds and if it will help you get off a, ca- a contract or two. You know, like mo- like most teams that are in the int- having interest in second-round picks, though – don't need more bad contracts because they're wanting second round picks because they need the cheap talent on the roster too. So you, yeah, both these teams just in a real precarious situation in terms of getting off money. Would you like to run through their money uh, problems real quick, uh, Richard? Yeah, I mean they've got a hundred million dollars, you know, this year, and you're paying a team which right now I believe is the s- second worst based off record. You're paying them a hundred million. Like, what yeah. are you doing? It's not, it's not it's not great. Eighty four and a half million tied up next year, and that's without paying, uh, you know, without without paying Aaron Gordon one cent, one red right. cent. You're not paying him anything, and you already have eighty four and a half million tied up. Uh, Fifty five million next year, and like, what's really crazy is that they ha- do have eighty four and a half million tied up next year, and they have so many people coming off of their books: Aaron Gordon, Mario Hazonia, Alfred Payton, Aaron Aflalo, uh, Mo. Most baits. I mean, they got all these guys who are coming off, and they still have so much tied up. It's it's not a good situation if if you're a Magic fan. Well, let me ask you this though, Richard, because this is the this is the, the always the question to ask when we're talking about teams that are bad and are going to stay bad because there's no way for them to be better. How bad are these bad contracts when all you're doing is acquiring young town anyway? Like how like does it because you have to meet. Like there's a you have to meet a certain amount of pain. Like I think it's like ninety million dollars is what you have to pay no matter what. And if you're under that, you end up paying up to ninety to all their players. Do they get it evenly or whatever? So yeah, that never back- happens. They, they always get it. They always get oh, it. They always get back up. But like if you're if you're the magic, are you willing to like just eat it and say, Hey, we're with these bad contracts? We are like as a new front office, we are gonna set in our three our three years from now plan. To have the cap space, we're gonna like we're gonna be very tedious with our signings from here forth, and make sure that we do it right. So when we are looking at re-signing Jonathan Isaac, because he's developed into a superstar, and we have all these other draft picks coming up, can't you just fix it then? I mean, I guess, but here's the thing: you've got you got at least another two years of Bismack Biombo because there's no way it's a one, one plus one after this. There's no way he's opting out of 17 million a year. Yeah. no. And the other contracts, like he's a good player, but Evan Fournier, you, know, you got him for another three years at 17 million. <sighs> do you, do you want to be paying up to the luxury tax for a terrible team? If you're the owner and you're not in a large market, you know, you're in Orlando. No one, lives in Orlando it's you know it's a tourist destination mm-hmm. and so it, I don't know if, if I'm if I'm the Orlando owner this is not the direction that I don't want to be just forking over extra money just because I'm an owner I, I want to make sure I have a good a good team obviously that's why they've made they've made the decision to change their front office but I don't know I, I think that you've got to find a way to move off of Bismack Biombo. um if you 
if you're the GM and you don't think Evan Fournier fits the mold because you want to ha- you want to surround your team with defensive players and he's strictly offensive, then then you maybe you can move him for an expiring contract because like it would be great if if you're the Magic if you could you know obviously be terrible this year, maybe you're terrible next year, but the year after that is really when when you begin your ascension because then that that would be my that would be where I would try to focus in. in in two years, can we be back to a respectable level? And and we're having some of those contracts, that's the last year, you know, I don't know. We'll right. see. Uh, fake trade, I don't have to check it because I know they make the same amount of money. Greg Monroe for Evan Fournier. Both teams say yes, who knows? But the, but then but then you have, if, if you're Phoenix, obviously it's great to get just talent, but where, where are you going to play him? Like another, another, three. another defensive – uh, liability. We just got Josh Jackson. You know he can play the four. You okay? I got solutions yeah. for everything, Richard. Hey, Mar- Keep Mar- going. Marquise Chris. He can play the five. <laughs> well, then, then what, what, what about Dragon Bender? Dragon Bender. He's a backup five. Oh boy. He's a starting five. Trade Chris. So 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 basically, we're saying Phoenix is planning on being terrible for the next few years, also. Right now, I, that I was, that was just my kind of like, oh, those salaries match up. How about that? Anyway, I yeah I I know I know here, here okay so we've I think we kind of talked about their plans. You just went through it with okay they gotta find a way with two years from now they're catching stride, have the opportunity to sign somebody, and then they go from there. Like that's what they we th- I actually think that's what they're doing, Richard. And I think we agree with their concept. It's just hard that they like they can't, he came into such a bad situation. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. And really, their decision comes down to what to do with Aaron Gordon. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they're going to be terrible this year. They're probably going to get a top three pick, and they'll make they'll make they'll get a great player through from it. But what are you with Aaron Gordon? I don't know. I have a brilliant fake trade for you, Richard. Ooh, I, talk to me. I just cooked it up while we were talking here just now, and Ooh. it involves Ooh. my hometown team, the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I thought I was throwing another Heat reference here. Okay, Portland, let's do it. Listen to this. The Portland Trailblazers receive Bismack Biombo and Aaron Gordon. They send back Myers Leonard, Ed Davis, Noah Vonley, and the young man Zach Collins. Okay. Now, so go ahead, go ahead. Of the of those of those people you mentioned, what is how how much longer are they under contract? Because that that's my question. If I'm if I'm Orlando. Exactly. So Collins has three more years after this season. That's fine. That's fine. He, I want him. So he, he's, he's good. Piece, he's the piece that you're like, hey, young guy, good t- like talent. Let's throw him in here. Give him a chance to develop. He's going to get more run with us. Myers Leonard has two yeah. more years. Same term as, uh, as Biombo, but he's getting paid eight less million per year. So that fits the timeline of two years from now moving in the right direction. But you're saving – that eight million dollars of being up next to the the tax or, or up next to the cap, right? Right, right. And Davis and Vonley both expire now. Vonley, he's the kind of guy you might want to just retain because he's a young guy. Whatever. Ed Davis can go sign wherever he wants. Huh. Now, Man. right now, the thing is, maybe the Portland can even give you a pick for this because Aaron Gordon all of a sudden gives them the opportunity to have something pretty special brewing in their front court. Now, Biombo, does that make 
Nurkic a little less important to retain. If Biombo can be better playing for a better team with surrounding good talent, he did pretty well when he played with two back star backcourt players in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I think, Richard, I just found the way to get my job with the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. If you don't forget about us here at the Hero Ball Podcast, when you do, I've already talked about this. Unless they restrict Man. my media, my access to the media, I will always want to contribute to this podcast. Man, I here, here's the thing. Think about how bad Bismack Biombo's contract is. If we we're saying, man, Myers Leonard gives you eight million dollars of relief, and we think of Myers Leonard as just a terrible contract that Portland just can't wait to get off of, and Bismack Biombo's eight million more a year. Man, how about this? this is the other fake trade I can give you? We can keep Myers Leonard on the Trailblazers. We can keep Aaron Gordon. Still going to the Magic, or Aaron Gordon still going to the Blazers, and Biombo still going to the Blazers, but we give it the Magic, Evan Turner. Evan Turner, I'm I'm less I'm less inclined there. I don't. Right. I, 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 I think the first trade was better. The first trade is better, definitely. Okay. Hey, interesting. Right. Interesting indeed. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, like you might as well. I mean, it, it really just depends what you want to do. If you're Orlando. Do you want to move on and not have to worry about Aaron Gordon's contract? If you do, this is the way out. But you had better hurry because the trade deadline is less than a month away. Right. And you know what? You can even maybe – yep, you can even have a Caleb Swan again if you want him too. I'm just I'm just keep throwing I, money out there. Get all the you. Well, <laughs> man, oh, man. Well, you heard it here first. Air, move Aaron Gordon over Air, to Portland. Ethan, you're probably you're probably you know, having having a good rapport with the locals there. Why would they? Who wouldn't like this trade aside from the Biombo part? Um, trying to think I'm, who says no. I don't know. Myers Leonard's a really good looking guy, but I mean, he'll like imagine what he'll do in Florida instead of up here where he has to wear a jacket all the time. In That's true. That's true. I mean, not all the time, like a light jacket, rain jacket. All right, so you either you either keep Aaron Gordon or you do your do tr- the trade you just mentioned, um, and then obviously get a top three pick. Obviously, in my opinion, you got to get. Obviously, we 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 don't know what pick they're going to have. We don't know what the prospects are going to be looking like. Mm-hmm. But if you could get a, a point guard that can shoot, you kind of go the opposite direction right. of of getting you know of. of uh, I just you just. Let's just spit it out, buddy. We think the Magic should target Trey Young. Yep, Trey Young. But you know, I think that I think the Suns should too. So there's that. Offense, offense. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think. Nah, not not the Suns, not the Suns. I've heard a lot of people say they would like to see Trey Young play with Devin Booker. Yeah, lots of people who want to see all offense, no defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it'd be fun, right? Yeah, I guess it's fun. Fun, fun. The modern NBA. Uh, anything else you think you'd do um, or differently if, if you were the Magic GM? No. I, I think I would hire Ethan, Huff, hire Ethan Huffman because he's <laughs> clearly got this trade machine thing going down, buddy. Dude, I'm going to email uh, Neil O'Shea this trade and see if I can get on the on the staff. There you go. Do you um, do you have another trade for us? This is one that we, um, we planned out a little bit more ahead of time. This would be – Yes. So this this would be probably if you're holding. Actually, you could do it if you're holding on to Aaron Gordon or not. But you, you probably should not do the trade that you mentioned and then do this next trade because then you're just moving too many people. If you're, um, you know. No, that's fair. No, no, we're we're blowing it up. We're blowing it up. Kevin O'Connor, oh, okay. blow it up. Blow it up, right? Yeah. 
both of these trades, knock, knock them down. What do you got? Okay, so they're both approved individually. That doesn't mean this will work if you do both of them, right? Like that. That right. I feel like that's an. I, I need to mention that, even though because the Magic are taking back so little salary in this trade, like I think it still would work. Anyway, let's bust it out. There's a three-team trade. It includes both our teams featured on this podcast: the Sacramento Kings and Orlando Magic. Now, the other team that this includes, we we've heard some rumblings about some discontent with with things in Cleveland, right? You've been hearing some rumors about, ah, we're unhappy. We don't think we have the pieces to make it. Um, and so with this trade, Ethan, you successfully get them an extra piece or two or three that maybe can help them in their title run. So this is our three-team trade between Sacramento, Cleveland, and Orlando. I shouldn't say we. This is your one. Yours also, Ethan. I, I should take credit for this one. That's right. I, I maybe should just take credit for one person. I'll mention that one later. Go ahead. That's right. Because I actually had. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. So the Kings are going to receive Tristan Thompson, Iman Shumpert, and Mar Herzonia. T technically doesn't have to come over to the Kings, but we thought he was important to add because he's one of those, hey, take a flyer on him, new organization, new face. They need wings out there in Sacramento. Good fit. Try to make it work. I don't know where. What the European connection could be between Hazonia and Bogdan? Maybe those countries don't even like each other. I don't know. I should have yeah, looked that up. Maybe Vlad anyway. Divac has you know some animosity too. Who knows? But Who knows? I think that yeah, I think that in order to make this trade happen, Hazonia has got to be there. Otherwise, I don't think Sacramento does it without Hazonia being in. Anyway, right. keep going. Yeah, because getting Shumpert and Thompson, like what that that kind of goes against what we were talking about about you know saving the money and stuff. Anyway. The Magic are going to receive Channing Fry and Ante Zijic. So a young center power forward and an expiring contract in Fry. And the Cavs are getting off that Fry guy because he's no good. He's he's too old for a contributing team now. Now, the juicy part. The Cavaliers will receive George Hill, Nikolai Vucevic, and Vince Carter. Hey, Vince Carter. That was that was my. I want to say that was my doing there. Okay. I mean, I, you mentioned him, but I, I think we need to include. We need to get Vince on a championship caliber team. Not that Cleveland's going to win it. Let's be real here. But at least a team that can compete and can go deep into the playoffs. I like this one, Ethan. I think that uh, if you're Orlando, you get off of Vuce's contract. Um, you're able to uh, bring in a younger, younger big man in Zizic. You're able to, you know, get Channing Fry back. If you if that matters to you, I guess you know if maybe you're trying Not to worried. sell some tickets later in the season. I don't Not know, worried. but you, you bring him here, you get rid of seven million off off of your contract when when he leaves uh, off your cap. And you're probably not going to have enough money. We already mentioned to to re-sign Mario Hazonia, and he let's get him out of there because we just need he needs a new a new team to to try out on because right. it hasn't worked out in Orlando. So I like it for for Orlando because they're able to do all those things. Cleveland. Getting George Hill, he's he's your he's just another guard that can that can really play and actually have some defensive abilities. Like mm-hmm. if you're planning on beating a team like uh, you know, like the Warriors, or I guess competing with a team like the Warriors, or playing against you know Toronto or Boston, you're going to need some some good guard defenders. And George Hill's better than whatever you got right now if you're Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing in Vucevic, you know, basically to take Tristan Thompson's minutes, get grab some boards. Maybe that can help you beat a team like Boston, who's notoriously not great at, at getting rebounds. And bring in Vince Carter, someone who can just come off the bench, shoot some threes, and you know, give him give him a, a last a last run, or I guess maybe two. He's maybe he's got more years than that. 
<laughs> yeah, my thoughts here. Uh, Vucevic, basically, I think he's not as good as shooter as Fry, but he's he's proven some ability to sp- spread spread the floor a little bit this year. So what you're getting there is you're replacing Fry minutes with Vucevic and like having a similar kind of thing, plus a rebounding ability and just general better, slightly better defender, though not any, any kind of defensive stopper. And you're also in my mind. He- Go ahead. In my mind, he, he covers Tristan Thompson more so because I think Thompson's getting more minutes. And so I'm sorry. I was, was going to get to that, Richard. I was going to say Vucevic also can cover the rebounding disparity that you'd lose by losing Tristan Thompson. So you're getting two players for less than the price of one in Tristan Thompson. Yep, getting getting off of his contract, but you're also bringing in George Hill. You're bringing but. in George Hill. But, Richard, hear me out here. George Hill is not the guy we saw last year in Utah that we thought could be close to – like he was he was an all-star consideration last year. That right. is a fact. He played good. If you are the Cleveland and you're looking for insurance when LeBron leaves, if he leaves, and you're saying, do we want to build around Isaiah Thomas? You know what? Let's just run it back with Vucevic, Love, and George Hill and see if we can grab the seventh seed in the East. That gives you the leverage and still the team to let a guy like Isaiah Thomas walk and try to find another home, whereas you're not left like holding nothing at the end of this year other than Love and Tristan Thompson. I think this yeah. is a good short-term move, and I actually think it is a good Dan Gilbert move. To like, hey, I don't need to pay Isaiah Thomas. I got this guy, George Hill. Fans aren't going to like that. But here's the thing. If they show up and they win a few games in next October, November, you know what? They might just get over it, even though they'll be really, really sad LeBron left. Yeah, it, it just – you wonder if tying up that type of money to George Hill, like, does LeBron want that? I don't know. Well, I mean, if he it, maybe that pushes him over the top of saying, yeah, now we don't have any flexibility. I'm basically locking myself into George Hill. And then – Maybe he leaves. I don't know. You know who knows who knows what LeBron's thinking except for LeBron. I think he leaves anyways, and so I think this is a reasonable trade. It's a it's one that is a win now move, but I think that they've got to try to win now. I think that you know with this potentially being the last year with LeBron there, you got to make a, a swing at it, and so yeah, yeah, swing, swing, and swing and settle because you can swing for the fences here, and you can also settle into a decent team the next year because George Hill. For all it's worth, if he's surrounded by Kevin Love and Vucevic, two good offensive players, you know, he might, like with more offensive threats than the Kings currently have, George Hill might mold back into closer to Pacers, George Hill. Maybe not Utah, George Hill, but Pacers, George Hill. And that can still get you to a playoff team. We watch the Pacers make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, well, any anything else you want to talk about uh, regarding either, any of these teams? <laughs> no, Richard, honestly, we've went much longer than we intended to go on this. <laughs> yeah. Because I got yeah. so hyped when it comes to trade machine talk. And you know what? Send these guys off with a hero ball quote of the week or day podcast. And uh, let's get out of here. All right. Yeah. Let's go to Zach Randolph. Since we mentioned him and, and the Kings uh, this, you know, this podcast. Zach Randolph once said, I just wanted to be the one taking the shots. They were tough shots. I got some lift on them and hit them. <laughs>